Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran, a ministry of Worship Generation Church in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. that's how it is with the Lord. A lot of times when we come back to the Lord, we're really discouraged by how much we've train wrecked our life, mistakes we've made, things we can't change, people we can't call and say we're sorry because they're in eternity, calls we can't return, debts we can't make right because they're just gone. And there are many things that can discourage us. And, and that can keep us from the things of the Lord, the failures of the past, and even the fears of the present. But if we're going to go forward with the Lord, we need to see this phrase, nevertheless. And, and that's an important phrase because it says that they laughed and mocked them, but then it says in verse 11, nevertheless. That's a, that's a key word in this text. Mine's actually circled and highlighted in two different colors. First time through, it got the yellow highlight. Second time through, it got, it got the blue added to it. Nevertheless. See, when it comes to God doing a fresh work in your life, restoring things, renewing things, and just going forward, we can't be focused on what's all not happening. You, you, because what's not happening gets our attention usually much more profoundly than what is happening. You follow me? You're much more apt to see what's not happening, what's going wrong. Well, I always seem to have, everything goes against me. The refs, why do the refs, call, why does it seem like the calls are always going against us? Like, why does it seem like the umpire's calling that strike zone against me but giving a different one for the other guys? And you, you can begin to get this complex. Where all you see is everything that's not happening. We didn't get the job. We didn't get the raise. We didn't get the loan. We didn't get the house. They didn't accept our offer. And you just start, you start thinking, I didn't get into the college I wanted to. And this didn't work out that way. And, and you start looking at all things that's not happening. But we need to do, and one of the most important disciplines as a disciple of Christ is to focus on what is happening. We need to focus on what God is doing. Nevertheless, yeah, we know there's haters and mockers and scoffers. Nevertheless. We need to focus on what is happening because right after it says that a great multitude was there, and again later on it says a great multitude. But you know, I find that I'm just so quick to see the mockers and the scoffers and not see the multitude or the greatness of what God is doing. In 1994, I had to learn a powerful lesson about this, and I share this story ever so often. In 1994, there in Virginia Beach, when our, the church that we were leading was at its zenith in numbers, I had this idea to do this big outreach at this main place in Virginia Beach, and we called it Youth 94. I did public school speaking with Daryl Green, the Hall of Fame cornerback from the Redskins at the time, and DJ Dozier, the Heisman Trophy winner from Penn State, the running back. We worked with an organization called Pros for Kids, and collectively the three of us went out in all these public schools of Virginia Beach, and, and actually, believe it or not, we did assemblies on purity. Our assemblies were about purity, sexual purity. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. And you can imagine how that was received in some cases. But nonetheless, 
like the text says, nevertheless, but nonetheless, we would get to share our testimony because people would ask questions, usually believers, and then we could share our testimony. So, well, let's do a big outreach. Let's bring in this rap band. Let's do this big thing. I rented, we, the church, Calvary Chapel, Hampton Roads, 700 chairs, 700 folding chairs. I thought, we're going to do, DJ Dozer's our main speaker. We've got these, this uh, multi-ethnic DJ group, the Filipino, the black guy and the white guy. They were really good. They were 90s really good. They were hip-hop, hop, hip-hop, 90s style. They're the perfect fit. We had like a team of 70 people praying and planning. We promoted the event at all the schools, and DJ Dozier was the main speaker, strong Christian man. Nobody came. That's a summary, but people did come, but in my mind, nobody came. And what I always remember, I was so discouraged that night. What I always remember is I saw all the empty seats. Now, when you rent 700 seats, it's probably going to get your attention 650 empty ones. I just saw the scoffers and the mockers. I just saw what God wasn't doing. And I thought about how much money we put in the event. I just, as we went from school to school to school, I thought for sure these people are going to come. I learned a valuable lesson, by the way. People bring people. People just don't come. People bring people. And you look at something like John Randall in the men's conference, why it keeps growing is he has a network, and he's networking with people. That's how you do these events. You don't just put billboards everywhere and think everyone's going to come to your party. It doesn't work that way. But I didn't know that in 94. And I was so discouraged and so distraught. All I saw was 650 empty seats. It was the next year when I was in Vermont, because a year later we had moved to Vermont. We're pastoring the church in Vermont there in the hotel, the Econolodge, and I was working at the Sheraton Inn. And as I prayed for all these people, I no longer was praying for a congregation because I didn't really pastor one. There didn't really, you know, the congregation mostly was people that moved up there with me that I convinced to go be a part of this. And we're all scratching our heads after six months. But I did pray for all the people I worked with, and my prayers were very evangelistic. And the one day that I was coming to work about 10 minutes early, Oh, and the dishwasher was coming down the stairs the opposite direction. He looked really downcast. And I said, how are you doing? What's up? And he's like, I'm really discouraged. I'm 34. I'm a dishwasher. My life is nowhere. I'm like, hey, this is an opportunity to share the gospel. So I shared the gospel briefly. And then I said, do you want to get together for lunch? We did. He received Christ. At the same time, I taught the text where Jesus goes across the sea in the great storm for the one crazy naked man to come to Christ. And it, the Lord put it all together in my mind. The Lord put it in my mind this. I spent 14 months with my wife in Vermont to learn the most important lesson we can ever learn in life is to focus on what God is doing rather than what he's not. And in that, I learned the value of one soul. I led one person to the Lord in Burlington, Vermont. And I would have paid to baptize someone in Lake Champlain had I had the chance. One person. Owen the dishwasher. See, and this is like how it is here in this story. In, in being stirred up by the Lord and being used the Lord and being revived by the Lord, we can't be discouraged by what we don't see happening in our life. We can't be discouraged by what we don't see happening through our life. And we sure can't be discouraged by seeing by the things going on that affect our life that we have zero control over. As has been well said, the worst thing you can do is be in turmoil and anxiety over things you have zero percent of control over. That's the worst thing you can do, yet most people do that. Focus on the person you see in the mirror and the Lord above and what's entrusted to you. And so 
I just would, this is a good reminder, nevertheless, they, Hezekiah just focused on what God was doing, and the people focused on what God was doing, and they went for it. I mean, they've got, they've got the bright holiday in the wrong month. I mean, it's, it's Christmas in April. It just, it's weird. Christmas in April. Valentine's in November. It's just, it's just weird. It's like, but it's, it's just so odd. There's no precedent. There's never been a Valentine's in November, but they're doing Valentine's in November. That's what they're doing. And if you're just looking at the haters and the scoffers and the mockers, you'll just, you'll just be so discombobulated. You have to focus. We have to focus in our own lives going forward and how we see other people being touched by our lives to encourage them to go forward. And by the events around us, like Sennacherib and people like that, that we have no control over. We have no control over Ahaz blocking the doors of the sanctuary for years and blasphemy against the Lord for years as a politician over us up until the time of Hezekiah, if we were in Judah at this time. But we do have control over what we're going to do when the Spirit's moving and to be a part of it and to heed the voice of the runners, to join with Hezekiah in the covenant and go all in. We need to focus. I just want to remind you tonight, body of Christ, WG, focus on what God is doing, not what he's not doing. Focus on here and now today, right now. Here, now, today. Can't change yesterday and tomorrow's guaranteed to no one. It truly is, you know, the 12th step basic motto of all recovery, one day at a time. And it's completely biblical, one day at a time. Great expectation, faith, obedience, humility, focus on what God's doing, not what he's not doing. And if we can learn that lesson, we do really well. Second thing we see in this text is it says that the, to everyone who prepared their heart. So we ha- the priest, it says that they were ashamed. As they began to serve the Lord the way they were supposed to have served the Lord, they felt shame because they hadn't been serving the Lord that way. They had allowed, as, as Ahaz had shut the temple, they'd shut their hearts to the Lord. No one had said like, hey, we need to, we need to do this. We should be serving the Lord. They were ashamed. They let the powers above them shut them down for what God had for them. And they had neglected their responsibilities. And they were, they were behind Yet the Lord was doing a great work. And it says they were, they were spiritual leaders and they were ashamed by, the, by the repeat, how rapid things were happening and how unprepared they were for it. Nonetheless, they did get in line. They stood where they're supposed to stand and they did the Passover. The Levites were doing the Passover where I would think probably the priests normally did it because the priests are, are technically a higher level than the Levites. But the, whoever's available, just get in there and get it done. The Lord's moving don't overthink it. I remember after the first Harvest Crusade <laughs> that when Greg Lloyd did the first Harvest Crusade at Pacific Amphitheater, my wife and I had gone to it, and then he did a baptism at Little Corona, not Pirates Cove, but the main beach there when you come down. And he, there's all these people. I mean, th- there's like 5,000 people. It was so packed. It was promoted on K-Wave, and Chuck gave it the blessing. And I'll never forget it. It was the biggest free-for-all you ever saw. I mean, it was like it blew a whistle, like, like the pier swim or something. Everyone just jumped in the water, and, and people were just baptizing each other. It was crazy. It's still the largest baptism I've ever seen. It's kind of like this. It's, yeah, go grab someone and dunk someone, you know? Like, the, you just, you just, it was happening. But the heart was everything. In this midst of these events, Hezekiah said this. For the multitude of people, so we have Ephraim, Manasseh, Iskar, and Zebulun, uh, and Asher, listed earlier 
don't, you don't overthink things. You, you don't take simplicity and make it complicated. The faith of a child is how we're saved and going to heaven. The faith of a child is what's going to comfort you on the day of the Lord if you die at a very old age. It's the faith of a child. Jesus said, unless we have the faith of a child, we can by no means enter the kingdom. So we get so sophisticated and make things so complex. Well, how is this working? Like, shouldn't the Levite just be over here? The priest should be doing that. And, oh, my goodness, and those guys from Asher, we know those guys. Are we sure they're repentant? They were bowing down to Baal for, like, the last 20 years. That guy's dad was the leader. He funded the prophets of Baal. Like, you could just overthink all these things and, and get super religious and make it super complicated. But Hezekiah, what does he say? He just says, it says that these people had not cleansed themselves. So you could have all those do-gooders and legalists going like, that's not what it says in the Bible. That's not the way it is in the law. How can we be doing this? We're already a month behind. or I'm not even sure any of this is sanctioned by the Lord because I'm the God of the universe because I'm judging all of you. You know people like that? You ever met anyone like that? <laughs> yeah. There's people that feel like they're, they're, they're judge and jury of the universe for God. Like they're God's man or woman to be the judge and jury. God would never do that. I say this all the time when I say that. Don't be that person. And if it's me, smack me. I'm like, oh, why'd you smack me? Because you're being that person. We never want to be that person. Those are the people Jesus rebuked. Those are the people who crucified Jesus. It wasn't the woman caught in adultery or desperate people or the leper. It was self-righteous people who were prideful and arrogant in their religion that did that stuff. And fortunately, they didn't get to run this day. There's no corporate ministry trying to run this thing. There's no corporate people saying, hey, we've got to put finances on this. We've got to manage this. We can brand this. We can do... No, it's a total free-for-all, like Greg Laurie's baptism out there, First Harvest Crusade. It's just a free-for-all. Who wants to mess it up? God's moving. He's moving freely. Yeah, okay, the Levite's over there. Why are those priests crying? Hey, don't say anything, but I think they're ashamed. That's why they're crying. They should be ashamed. Just leave them alone. Like, that's between them and the Lord. I'm ashamed for me. Let them be ashamed for them. Let's just, let's get right. Let's return to the Lord. Let's do the right things. So he says, it says that they had not done it right. They had not cleansed themselves. They had not done it right. Yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them saying, may the good Lord, and there it is, by the way, it is biblical to say the good Lord, Right? The good Lord, may the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek the Lord. So the issue here was the heart. It was the people's hearts. If the people's hearts were right, that's what matters. We see this with David and the showbread. When he was running for his life with his mighty men and Saul, his father-in-law, was trying to kill him, he showed up there where the tabernacle was. And he took the old showbread. The men were starving. They had not eaten. Their, they needed food, sustenance. And he took the showbread. And the priests are like, man, are you sure about this? He's like, hey, it's just bread. It's the Lord that makes it holy. It's just bread. David knew with the heart for God that God's concerned for people, not about bread. Jesus wasn't going to come die on the cross for a loaf of stale bread. Jesus died on the cross for people who are desperate and in need. And David understood that. Jesus... A thousand years later, remember when his disciples were doing the wheat on the Sabbath? And those guys came out, oh, you're not keeping the Sabbath. You're bad people. Your disciples tell them to stop, but their hands aren't washed. They were the legalists. And, and Jesus said, have you not read how David ate the showbread? So Jesus referenced David in that showbread to justify his apostles while serving the Lord on the Sabbath 
to eat wheat as they're going by. Now, the Bible never said you can't do this to the, to the wheat in the field. But those legalists took keep the Sabbath day holy and made 612 sub-commandments under it. Now, we know people like that. It's one commandment, then misunderstood, and now there's 612 of them. No wonder people don't want to come to church. It's one thing taken out of context and then expanded to a yoke that no one can carry. That's so liberating when Jesus said that the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Have you not read that I desire mercy above all things? That's what he said in the context. So from what David did with the showbread and what Jesus did with the apostles and how often he rebuked those people, it just becomes so clear that it's always about the heart. So when you think about maybe you're struggling, God knows your heart and he's for you. He, he's he's, he's the, the savior coach that's for you. He's for you. And he knows your heart and he wants, he wants to steer your heart, our hearts, my heart, in a good way. He's for the people that are around you that may seem a little kooky or weird in what they're doing trying to figure out the Lord. But he looks at the heart and he's for them. He's for them. When you're at a free-for-all baptism it, down there at Little Corona, you just got to know that God's for them. We don't have to put our fingerprints on it. We don't have to always explain it. Just let God be God of the universe who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and rise from the grave for our hope and justification, who sent his spirit to save people, and we just got to let God do that. In our own life, when we look in the mirror, through our life when God's reaching people, and put that over the world that we have no control over, you just go like, how do these people get away with that? They're not going to get away with it. They just seem to get away with it. How can they have so much power? Well, when they're in the grave, they won't have the same power. They'll go the way of all men, as will we. So focus on the heart. Focus on what we can, what, what God is doing. Focus on our heart and, and, re, and, and realize and give people room to grow as God works in their heart. That's the, that's the key here. Hezekiah, it says he was like his father David when he's introduced to us in chapter 29. And how he handled this free-for-all Passover just shows that he had the heart for the Lord. He understood the heart of the Lord. That God is for people, not against people. And he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he sent his son to die on the cross to redeem the wicked. And this free-for-all Passover, a, a month late, with crying priests and all this other stuff, Hezekiah's like, Lord, just, just have mercy. We didn't, we, I, we're just doing the best we can right now. Have mercy on us and bless this. And in case we're wondering, did God answer that prayer? Yes, we get it that he did. So it shows us the heart of God. And then the last thing, we just love this about Hezekiah. Verse 22, it says, Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And isn't that what everybody needs? Don't we all need encouragement? We always need encouragement. So much of the world and life and the devil just beat us down, whether we're trying to serve the Lord or not. But the Lord is for us. That's why it says in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is for us. When we come to Christ, our battles are his battles. Those struggles are his struggles. And he's working in and through us for his good pleasure. So he wants to encourage us in going forward in repentance and renewal. He wants to encourage other people in going forward in repentance and renewal. 
And he definitely doesn't want us to be discouraged by things we have no control over. He doesn't want our minds filled with all this stuff that we have no control over that would create anxiety, that would create fear, but he wants us to be encouraged. Next week, when we get to the siege of Jerusalem, we know that the Assyrians were like, they, they spoke in the language of the Israelites to intimidate them, shouted from there across the wall to cause fear and anxiety. But Hezekiah said, don't say a word back to him. That's how we have to treat that stuff. That's how we have to treat all those things that are contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ, taking captive every thought that is contrary to the Lord and the glorious gospel. We can't get baited to be upset and pulled out of our lane and off our game by things we have no control over that discourage us. We need to look up, look in the mirror, be encouraged. We can do this because if God be for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's go this day, right here and now. That's what the Lord has for us. He's always going to want to encourage us. When you wake up in the morning, any morning, when you belong to Christ, no matter what that day is going to hold, no matter what the day before held, or what fear is lurking around the corner, or anxiety, uncertainty, just know God wants to encourage us. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians that when someone prophesies in the New Testament, they speak uh, edification. That's to build you up. That's encouragement. Or exhortation. That's to stir you up. You can do this. Let's go. Fighting, you know. Or comfort. Like, you got this. Hey, look. Everyone throws an interception. Everyone gives up the home run. Everyone falls on their face on the ice. Everyone blows the sail. Listen, we got this. Let's go. Let's get back in. Let's get back at it. Let's get back at life. Let's be fruitful. Let's look up. Let's go. Let's go get it. Because we know with the Lord, there in Philippians chapter 3, we're told we forget what's behind and we press on to what lies ahead, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's always forward, onward, and upward with the Lord. And when you look at this story of Hezekiah and these events that happen rapidly, that happen with so much uncontrolled elements to it, it's definitely, they weren't hindered by the failures of the past. They simply embraced the responsibility of today, each one, their family, and the nation, and they went forward. They weren't hindered and crippled by the fear of what was coming their way with the Assyrians coming, who were undefeated up to that time. Until they besieged Jerusalem, they always won. They, they, we have it here now. And, and they, they enjoyed their Passover with the crying p- priest and the, the hard-working Levites. They had gladness. They said, this is so much fun. Let's do an extra week. Let's do the bonus week right now. We're staying on this Jesus vacation for another week. And they did. And so what we find as they allow themselves to return to the Lord, as they allow themselves to be restored, as they watch God move in other people's lives to return to the Lord, and other people's lives to be restored, and as they gave to the Lord those things they had no control over, and even in the chaos of what God was the chaos of humanity responding to favorably to the move of the Spirit, we are told that the prayers were answered of Hezekiah and that there was great gladness. They praised the Lord. They were singing to the Lord. The, the, the Levites were encouraged to keep teaching the knowledge of the Lord. They had unity. The assembly rejoiced. There was great joy. And nothing, nothing had ever happened like this before. So the next time you see something in the news or you hear something or you look in the mirror and get discouraged, just know this. 
eyes not seen or ear heard those great things God has for us. And the best really is yet to come. And if it doesn't come in our life and time, that's okay because this is definitely coming in eternity. Because everything is about eternity. So we just got to keep the right perspective. We got to keep the heart right and have the right motives. And we just got to know that it, the Lord is good. And we need to just be encouraged and just keep going forward. So what we can control with our hearts in the Lord, let's do it. What we can't, let's pray for it and give it to the Lord. And just keep moving forward, onward, and upward. That's the lesson. Because they got a dark day coming. I mean, if this is season one, season two is really tough. They've got, they do have a dark day coming. And there is a doom and gloom that's just a couple of generations away. But not this day, not this two-week thing. This is here and now. That's what's so important for us to stay in the here and now. Yes and amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and our church YouTube channel. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. For more information about Pastor Joey personally, you can follow him on his Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and God bless.